let's get started with who you are. Like, give me the synopsis, give me the background, you know, let everyone know kind of your, your vibe and how you got to where you are today. Okay. So, well, hi, Elizabeth. My name is Shanaz Soni. I actually uh, have, I mean, I have to say that if somebody would show me a video recording of me today and um, when I was in Pakistan, so basically I was raised in a very conservative culture as an Orthodox Muslim. And uh, my dad did not want me to go to school and it was very deprived and it was extremely constraining for my spirit to be in this apartment that if I show you the picture, you will say it's post-apocalyptic looking because it's really messed up. And I would basically look in my balcony. I was uh, on a third floor and I would look at the sky and I would say that, is this life? Is this it? Or there's more to the story, right? Because I was so confined in my life, right? With my dad saying, don't even go to school. And here I'm trying to understand what black hole is because I kind of had a very different type of mind and I was very much cap in a captivity. And, and there were times I actually looked at my third floor top and thought that maybe I should just exit, right? Because it was very hard. And especially for a girl, I mean, it's not like that you can just leave your house, you'll get kidnapped. Somebody will take your body parts. I mean, it's a very messy situation. So I was very aware that I don't have any choice but to follow the plan. And I followed the plan so well. I The only thing I didn't follow is I didn't listen to my dad. So I became so studious. The more he said, don't go to school, I became a bookworm because I'm. I, he was fueling my engine, right? And I became a valedictorian. And then I, I had pretty much, I could be anything. I wanted to be a doctor, by the way, but my dad said that doctor means you have to do night duty and night duty means you can get kidnapped and raped as a girl. So that was not on the table. My dad didn't want me to go to school, as I told you. So he didn't want me to go to college. So I didn't tell him. And I got admitted at the engineering university because back home, there are only two professions that are respected, engineer and doctor. There's nothing else. So I said, well, if I can't become a doctor, I'll just become an engineer, right? It was kind of a one of those things. And then I got the admission and I had an arranged marriage, which is how I came to America. So my husband-to-be came, he had like seven girls lined up and I was the fifth one. And we had one hour interview and he chose me in that. And the reason he chose me because he was looking for a girl who can survive in America and he could see my in my spirit that I could. Mm -hmm. So it was that's how I came to America. I, I landed in LA, by the way, that was my LAX airport. And I have to tell you, when I landed there, I was looking at people and to me, they look like I'm in a different planet because everybody's tall with colored eyes, with colored hair. I'd never seen anything like that. <laughs> wow. So yeah, so I mean, basically from there on, I was basically in an arranged marriage. I didn't know my husband. Right away, he told me he was in love with someone else. So my entire fairy tale had fell apart from that point on. Then he wow. told me he had no money and he couldn't even afford my ticket. My dad paid for it. Uh, then I ended up, he was living in Fullerton, by the way, in a studio apartment. And then I entered the apartment and I see there's no bed. There's no space for even clothes for me. That was my starting point. Now, I didn't speak English, by the way. And I'm with a strange man who doesn't even love me. I'm far away from my family. I can't even afford a phone call because it costs a dollar a minute. So that's how my life started in LA. <laughs> <laughs> wow. No kidding. Like, that's, that's, uh, I mean, talk about going from something that's so rough to something that's even more rough. In a different um, way, yeah. Because there was nobody I could relate to. There was not a single soul I knew. Wow. Uh, for the full one year, I cried every single night because my husband would leave me at eight in the morning and he would come at 12 at night because he was a workaholic. 
So I was basically in the studio apartment in this small cage. So I went from one cage to another. And now I don't even have a language. I don't I didn't even know how to wear clothes because I was raised with so much conservative culture, Elizabeth, that we had to cover, you know, I mean, my face was open, I could breathe, but we had to wear the big shawl. So, I mean, that was, so I cried every night and I was thinking that I can't even walk to my mom or dad or my friends or anything I knew. And then I, and then on top of that, when I came back, by the way, my first meal in America was rice aroni that was already frozen in the fridge for three weeks. And that's what I ate for my meal. And I knew that I'm in a shithole. And if I don't do something, I'm screwed. So from there on, I think because of my spirit, I think it needed, I think that after being going through that, I think it has made me very strong, even though my life has gone through many, many challenges. But that was the point where I said, okay, I'm going to learn to cook. I'm going to do something. I have to make money because there's no way I can live like this. So my first job was working at the dry cleaning shop where I was learning to speak English and learning what the money looks like uh, while wearing the clothes and forgetting to zip me up because I never wore jeans in my life, right? So it was a lot of work for me to do, but I did all of it. And then I went to UC Irvine, which is where I became an electrical engineer. And I was learning engineering at the same time, English. And my professors sometimes were Chinese and I didn't like that. So I was like trying to avoid that because, you know, they speak this R in their accent. And to me, I'm learning English and engineering. I can't afford multiple variables. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it was it was quite a ride, I have to say. LA is my hometown because that's where I learned and found myself. Like found my like how am I going to survive this? And I was married to my husband for almost ten years, and then I divorced him. Yeah, he's he's someone that never was someone that I should have married. But that's just the only way the culture works. Arranged marriage is the only way it goes. And he, I have to be grateful because he's the reason I came to America. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so basically, you know, I mean, even an admission was a very hard one for me. You know why? Because when you come from back home, uh, it's not easy to get an admission because the universities expect your mark sheet to have everything pass in it. One of my subjects had a fail in it. And uh, UC Irvine was my university of choice. So they were they declined the admission. But you know what I did, Elizabeth, because I never accept no for the answer. I went and meet the vice chancellor. Lauren Weikning was the vice chancellor at the time. And I told her why I got the failed in the mark sheet. And she was completely shocked when I shared the story. And I'm going to share that story as a bit just to give you a perspective of in Karachi, when you go to the university, every single day, the Rangers would check me fully that I'm not carrying any weapon. Because it was mess over there, right? So there was, and one of the day, one of the very rich guy got sick. So because of that, they had to boycott the entire exam so nobody can take it. And I was only there for a little time to take my exam and get the mark sheet so I can go to America. I was not successful in my mission because they boycotted the exam. And when I tried to take the exam, they put the gun on my temple and they said, that, do you want to die for this exam? So, of course, I didn't want to do that. So I started crying, basically, and they took my paper. They tore it apart, but I still didn't give up. So I went to the principal's office. He was a man. And I said, that is there a safe place in this whole university where I can just take this test? Because my life depends on it. You know, I am not going to be able to come back when you guys reissue the test. And we have an annual system, right? So it's like one, one opportunity is all you get. Yeah. Of course, he said that you belong to a new union. And I said, no. And he said, well, then you belong to nothing. So as a one woman who just wants to take a test, you have no, no right. Yeah. And I just basically, so, that, so I, I basically, from that point on, I was very much happy that I was in America. And I have to say, when I became... 
And, you know, when they sing the song, proud to be an American, I was very proud. (laughs) Because it's way more liberating here, even though there's enslavement here too, we all know that. But from my perspective, it was a free land for me. Wow. <laughs> that's incredible. You you are you have a lot of tenacity, you know, and that's probably why you're you're where you are now. You know, it's it's uh nothing's gonna hold you back. And what I tend to find is when there's a lot of repeated trauma or repeated challenge, especially early in life, yeah. it's typically related to past life karma, right? Like you're playing out a lot of these patterns um to challenge you, but also to to make it through that to get to where you were meant to be. Exactly. So it's almost like if I would have accepted my fate as my married husband, I would have never been able to make it here talking to you. I mean, that would not happen, right? So that is the amazing part of the world we live in, the fractal world, right? Where every step leads to that next step and the next step. And it's just so beautiful. And that's why I'm writing this book, because I'm not only just sharing my story, I'm also sharing my nuggets, right? That how I did it, anybody can do it. But the key thing is not to give up and not to let other people's agenda decide yours. Yeah. Exactly. So, so then what? So then what happened? So, so you graduated. I graduated. And as soon as I graduated, then my goal was to get a job. Now, one of the things is because I always had, I had a knowing, right? I knew that I didn't want to work on as an engineer, any program. I wanted to work on a program that nobody works on. So mm. at that time, the Inmarsat was the satellite phone that the Hughes aircraft was looking for. And luckily I had a green card and citizenship. So I was able to get hired by the Hughes aircraft company Al Segundo. That was my first job where I worked. And I started on the Inmarsat and then I started on International Space Station. So I basically started taking projects that were all like something just nobody had worked on. I became a software engineer as, uh, you know, once you're an electrical engineer, you can become any engineer because that is one of the hardest fields. So I became a software engineer, which really helped me because that's where you understand how bits and bytes can create your entire universe, right? Through like any kind of product you make, ultimately you need to understand the the nitty gritty. So in the process of learning English and becoming an engineer and becoming the person I am, I knew that my husband was traveling the whole time. He was 100% traveling. I was living with his mom and my two small babies. At the time, my oldest son is a special child. So that just creates way more challenges in my life. He was born, by the way, uh, due to Kaiser Permanente in California. They completely um, messed up my delivery malpractice. So during birth, he had a stroke and his right hemisphere completely got damaged. Where And they didn't tell us because they wanted to hide it. When he was seven months old, I learned it through his MRI. When I went back, they had changed all the records. So there's nothing you can do. Because see, they had enough time to change the records. So my first, yeah, so I had two boys. So now I'm stuck in this situation where I'm, I have two babies. One of them is a special child. I'm living with his mom more than himself. And I knew my life was so messy that I was crying still a lot. Like it wasn't like, it's like, you know, you go from one mess to another. Because when you're married, you're going to create more mess. I mean, it's fact, right? And especially when you're not married with the right person, then the mess is never going to be resolved. So that was my story. And I told him that we are going to have to make some changes. Otherwise, I'm going to divorce you. And when I told him that, he thought that I'm kidding. You know why? Because in my culture, nobody has ever divorced anyone. I can't even find a single soul that I know that has done that. So he thought that that's impossible for me. So he asked my mom and dad to come and and put some sense in me. So my mom and dad came and then his mom, her, his mom. So all of these people are trying to make sure that I don't divorce him. And I had an army against me. Every single family member, every friend I knew from my community, they all called me and they said, nobody has ever done anything. Everybody's life sucks. 
So why don't you just suck it up, buttercup? And I said that that makes no sense because life is not about having to deal with this shit, right? So I basically did not accept that. And the interesting thing is the whole time where my mom and dad were there, they were seeing how I was being treated by my uh, in-laws and my husband. I actually bought this rose pot that just cost $3. But in the process of having my life being so challenging, I didn't give it a water and it died. And I got a lot of, uh, what's the word, you know, like a wrap for that. And my dad noticed it. So then one day he came to my room and he said that I noticed the way you get treated. You bring the same salary as he does, but you're treated like completely different than he is. And I am at the point in my life that whatever you do, just know that I will not be helping you with anything. And you know what, I, Elizabeth, that was actually the best gift my dad could give. You know why? Because the fact that he said that I'm okay for you to do it, that's all I needed. I didn't need his help. I didn't need anyone's help. I just needed a one person to say that I am okay if you do it, you see? And as soon as he said that, even though my mom didn't agree, I just went for the divorce and I pretty much started doing the process. And um, it was kind of just from that point on, I was like so happy that I did it. But the only problem was right away, one of the coworker at work fell in love with me and he started pretty much helping me because he wanted to marry me. And I didn't think that I should marry him because he was a white man. And I looked at him as another species because, you know, I'm very comfortable with my own species, but I never had any white friend, let alone white husband. So I looked at him as somebody that is very different. But ultimately, you know, when he said, I love you, I felt like my God. And I also had a very low self-esteem, right? So I was 29 years old, beautiful girl with two beautiful boys. But in my case, nobody will ever marry me because I have two boys and one is a special child. You see? Yeah. So I married him. So I went from one mess to another. <laughs> I, I stayed with him for 10 years too and had two boys with him too. Wow. And I divorced him as well. And um, yeah, so basically I have learned a lot, as you can see. So the point of the story is that I've gone through all these different experiences. I have four boys now. I'm single. and I love my life more than ever now which yeah. is but I have done a lot of mistakes which is why I want to write this book because I want somebody else to learn from my story and hopefully don't go through all this shit I mean because it is it is not easy yeah being human I I feel you I absolutely feel you so let's talk about the book like so is it first of all is this your first book yes it is my first book and, and, and before we get into the book, like, what do you specialize in? Like what, like you've done so many things in your career. You're, you're extremely impressive. What are you doing right now? What's your specialty? And maybe just what lights you up? Like what's your passion? Okay. So my specialty from a work standpoint, what pays my bill? I'm a NASA rocket scientist right now. What I do is I'm actually working with Elon Musk's company, SpaceX. We are actually, they're going to make a starship, which is a rocket that's going to go to the south side of the moon. It was supposed to go in 2024, but because this current presidency is not as um, excited about that particular mission, we are actually moving in 2026 now. But mm. the point is the woman will walk on the moon first and then the colored man, because they want to make sure they cover different type of spectrum because white men already did it. So yep. this is the idea, right? And my yep. role in this whole thing is that I actually leading the very, it's like a Bible that we have to create that has all the guidelines of what makes the rocket human rated. And I have to basically create that. And then not only that we're doing just one mission, we're going to stay there for one week the first time we go, but we're going to have like many, many missions in the next 10 years because we're going to colonize Mars. 
So I'm part mm-hmm. of that whole entire program. And so it's a very demanding job because we're constantly wondering, you know, how long the pressurization should take for the astronauts, you know, like all these small tiny things or what type of urine system they should have so it doesn't affect their body composure. So we have to look at a lot of different weird things. And it's just the good thing about that type of job is that you understand the fractal existence better because you know the cause and effect in so many ways, right? So that's my day job. And then I because of my personal passion, I have been to many mystery schools. I've taught Kabbalah to lots of people. Like I like to learn and I like to understand myself from a spiritual level, right? So because of that, I have just gotten many different certifications. I learned King Solomon life activation method. I'm also a certified health coach and life coach. And I teach classes whenever I can. And my passion basically is that I just want everybody to get their shit together so we can make heaven on earth. Yes, <laughs> I am with you, sister. That is amazing. Exactly. I mean, it's not that hard, man, because if you're doing the work, then everybody should just do the work and we're all yeah. can just have a very nice life, you know? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to make a statement that like you talking about creating heaven on earth, right? And I actually just made this same statement the other day, but coming from where you came from, right? Like, you of all people have the absolute right to talk about how to make life work for you and not against you. You know, for me, like I've got a pretty fluffy background uh, <laughs> compared to you, right? And 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 I teach people how to create heaven on earth and I at least I, I help them. But for you to actually go through all of the challenge, all of the strife, everything you went to, to get here, living your best life, um, having four beautiful boys, you know, uh, it's just, it's absolutely empowering and incredible. And you are a force to be reckoned with. I mean, without a doubt. So, so I'm get so you put all these stories in the book. Um, yeah, give us a little lowdown and and talk a little bit about the the quantum side of your interests as well. Yes. So I think the whole and the quantum thing is just as a scientist, you know. So I also work uh, when I get time. I work with other scientists internationally. I'm part of the Sasha Stone. I don't know if you're familiar with him. Okay, so Sasha Stone is an activist and he does this monthly thing where he gets all the scientists together so we can talk about different things. So just a few days ago, we were all together talking about what the impacts of CERN will be. But then we also had somebody who was living there right by the CERN facility and then she was giving her feedback. So we do this type of play thing. So I have I have that as my hobby where I get to do a little bit of a science thing. But the fact is that I just understand the quantum physics Partly because, you know, just just having a science background makes it easier to understand concepts because you've had to go through so much learning, right? And to me, like, it's very interesting. Like, I'll give a simple example. With quantum physics, if somebody is looking at you, right, and you notice that somebody is looking at you, you notice it because of quantum physics, because, you know, you're an electron, you're a moving electron. So you feel it, right? As soon as you feel it, you look at them, they notice it. So they look away. You see the point? (laughs) So And then, you know, this whole thing that when people say recon, right? Recon means that you're only observing, but observation affects momentum. It affects the manifestation even. So that's yes. why like all these mothers who are helicopter mom, they should know that they're messing up their children's life just by being constantly looking at them. Wow. So that's, wow. The, that's the part that quantum physics, right? Because, so, yeah. you, you know, it just becomes mm. easy for me to understand that. And I like to explain it to people just like quantum entanglement. You know, when I was breastfeeding my baby, he was in the daycare, I was at work. But my breast was just completely spitting out milk. And then I would call and the daycare would say the baby's crying. Right? 
Yes. So it's kind of like you just understand it because you know that how the world works. And I think that my whole thing was that, you know, how you feel like that, you know, I can, I'm working at NASA mainly because right now it pays my bill, right? I, I'm a new person. Nobody knows me and I'm getting myself out there. Ultimately, I would like to do this full time because I think it's time for people like me who have already gone through life in a different way to show the young, younger generation how they can learn from us and do way better than we have done. <laughs> Agreed. I, I couldn't agree more. That's that's incredible. So, um, oh man, just so many, so many thoughts running through my mind. But I love what you mentioned about the helicopter parenting and and how not only does observation affect what you're observing, but the observation, especially in helicopter parenting, with fear, having fear around your child. Are they going to be safe? Are they going to be kidnapped? Are they going to exactly. scrape their knee? They're constantly feeding that. We're, we're projecting that onto our child. So then all of a sudden their experience isn't their own and it's entangled with our own field, uh, which can be extremely detrimental, as you mentioned. Um, so fascinating. And uh, right before we hopped on, actually, uh, onto the recording, you were mentioning that you uh, went through my quantum human um, workshop. workshop. Yes, so yes. what did you think about it? I'm so I loved it. I loved the fact, I mean, you explained it pretty much perfectly that that's what I'm saying. I love like you, you know, you have this inner knowing, so you don't need a scientist label or rocket scientist or anything because you, you were born with the inner knowing. And I think the younger generation like yourself, you guys are coming, you know, everybody has the information stored in their DNA, right? But I think that the more in touch you are, the more you can speak, everybody can speak like you if they truly stimulate and activate their DNA and listen to themselves. They have the information like if you have a question, you have the answer within you. Yep. Right? I completely agree. So, yeah. yeah. And I loved your exercise too, by the way, because that was very good. Because to me, giving a workshop exercise helps people to connect the dot because everybody doesn't understand through words. They need to do some action for them to take it home. So those were very good too. And I loved all of it. Yeah, I was very excited about it that I get to attend. Yeah, that that is so cool. Like, I feel so honored that not only did you attend, but like it made sense to someone with your background and knowledge. Um, it, it's it that's that's so badass. And I feel like one of the main reasons why I understand quantum physics at such a deep level is because I can see the quantum world. Like every action, every reaction, I can see the ripple effect of that. And then I can see the, the, the effect of it. I can see the cause and I can see the effect very clearly. And then you talk about, you know, different timelines and, and hopping in and out of that and, and, and seeing different timelines. And like, you know, there's a reverb that happens in my life where I'll make one choice and, and, and I'll simultaneously be observing the other choice that I made, but I didn't actually take action on it. And so I constantly live in this simultaneous state, which can be very overwhelming <laughs> for myself. Um, but I understand it through the experience. And just like you mentioned, it's one thing to teach something, which is great. Knowledge is awesome, but it will never be anchored into uh, the lives of the people learning the, those, that pieces of, those pieces of knowledge if they don't experience it themselves. And that's why a lot of people come to me and they're like, well, how can we just believe you? Because you're, you're the only one who's channeling this stuff. 
And ultimately, I can't uh, ask anyone to believe me because they don't have that experience themselves. But most likely my community, just like yourself, will have some sort of reference point or experience of either the quantum or the non-physical metaphysical reality to say, yeah, that resonates. Or they're just so in tune with their own inner knowing. uh, This is just a reflection of that. Right. Exactly. And you, you know, that is the thing that what you always say, right, that people are going to draw to you because they are have the same resonant frequency and they are able to understand your message. And, you know, belief is something that we, we initiate within ourselves, right? We have a lot of beliefs that are not even serving us, but we have it anyway. Similarly, so to me, belief is something we have to all own up to whatever we want to own up to, right? And nobody can, like, even if you go to your best friend and the best friend says divorce the man and you divorce the person, you're still making the decision on your own. You cannot blame someone else oh, you told me and I did it because that would be the worst thing you can do is take somebody else's word for anything. Yes, I completely agree. Okay, I have a question for you and I don't know if you can answer it, but I haven't been able, this is something that I've been pondering for a while now, but it just popped into my mind. Okay, so I'm sure we can both agree that our minds uh, cannot tell the difference between a dream state and a waking state right? It's just, it's all the same. It's, it's, it's reality um, to our minds. I can't tell the difference, which is so fascinating. So the question that I have is, do you believe that through taking action, there is a, a subsequent effect of that cause of taking action, like moving something on your desk? Do you believe that thinking about taking the action or believing that you already took the action has the same uh, effect um, as actually physically taking the action? I don't know if that makes sense. No, it completely makes sense. And if you really look at the Matrix movie, they kind of highlight the very fact that everything was downloaded to them through their neck gadget. You see? So they were not truly doing it all. Like, you know, you can learn Kung Fu in like what? Uh, whatever, a few time uh, time frame, right? It was very fast and furious. So it's almost like Joe Dispenza does the same thing, right? It's like he basically does all this testing where people are learning, playing the piano and the one that are thinking about it. So the thing is that our mind is extremely uh, powerful. Yes. Our mind is so powerful. I mean, and the mind, you know, this whole mind, and actually I do this in my chapter 11, it's conscious evolution. The whole thing about mind and consciousness, right? It's kind of an interesting thing because, you know, there are times they can be interchangeably used because because it's very interesting. But I I always say that mind is more of an operating system and consciousness is a software that's running in there. Mm, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I always say that the brain is the hardware, the consciousness is the software. And what we're doing within our 3D to 5D evolution is we're starting to utilize our our 5D capabilities rather than just relying on the 3D, which is, um, it's, I don't know, I feel like we're a far way off from understanding true the true capabilities of quantum physics. I mean, we don't even know what dark matter is, you know, let alone, we don't know what 90 plus percent of the entire universe is made of. Exactly. Do because you have a theory on matter. that? It's only 5% matter. It's 85% dark matter. And the rest is dark energy. So dark we energy. have only 5% matter. So you're right. By the way, I wanted to make sure that the question that you asked before, I want to make one more point, is yeah. that the way it's going to work is that you truly have to believe in it though, right? So like yes. that is the key point because if you feel that just by thinking about it, it's not going to work, it's not going to work. 
Yep. Yep. I, I agree with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's just the, the, the belief aspect is, is so it's huge. Very, on that. It's very much. That is the subconscious programming that's built in feature that you have, which is the one that comes in your way all the time, even yep. in your manifestation. Yep. Because if yep. you truly want something like you want a $1 million, but if you're not going to ever believe in it, you can never have it. Um, and, and so here's what I believe. And I want to see if you, if you feel the same way. So talking about subconscious belief and how I'm rich, I'm rich, I'm rich doesn't really work because it's hollow. There's like this hollow energy to it because it's not the depth of you're actually not making the connection because you really don't believe in it. Uh, and, and, and so I've toyed with this concept as well. What I believe is that we can actually program our conscious and our subconscious mind into believing through repetition. And I also believe that this is how propaganda is done. This is how we're indoctrinated uh, in society is through repetition, uh, which is crazy. But we can totally take our subconscious power back by uh, being repetitive. And maybe for the first hundred times that you say that you love yourself, you don't really believe it. But for the next 150 times a thousand, you know, you're going to really truly believe it because you're almost programming that within yourself. Like I almost feel like in a sense, humans are programmable and it's kind of sad to think about, but also we've been so programmed by the outside world. It's time for us to step into our power and, and take the power back from programming uh, our own mind, you know, in our own reality. Is that what you believe as well? That we can actually program the belief through repetition? Yes. We can, uh, so repetition is one method. Now, it's funny because you said repetition. The cult that I came from, by the way, it was all about having the mala, you know, with the 108 beats. And we're yeah. constantly repeating the name of the prophet or the name of the leaders or whoever. And every time when the Muslims would get together, that's all they would do is repetition. That's all they were doing. And yeah. then there were times we would have Arabic mantra and we're repeating. So repeat, it has to work, which is why they're doing it. But the thing with the re repetition is, right, like you said, that because we're programmable, it goes both ways. The positive, the negative ways that we getting programming through subliminal programming, right? With everything around us. Um, so therefore, if we have to now take active, use the same thing that has harm us to benefit us. You see, because it's the exact same thing because we are 100% programmable. And one thing I say is that depends on whatever person you are. You know, just like some people learn by listening. Some people learn by watching. So my thing is, because I'm very mental, as you can tell, right? So I learn by understanding. So even if I, if you ask me that, let's just go for skydiving, I'm all for it, but I have to technically understand everything about it so I can do it. You see? So, yes. so to me, like I would recommend people who are doing whatever they're doing, whatever type of person they are, repeat for sure. But also in order to found, create a foundation of your belief, you truly want to understand that. Why do you want it so bad? Yes. Yes. I Yes, absolutely. I literally just said this in a video yesterday where it's it's one thing to ask for what you want, say a million dollars or $10,000, but why? It, it's, exactly. a, it's a very hollow ask if you just ask for the thing. And to be honest, it's not going to go anywhere. Just asking for, and, and when you actually start asking the question, why do I want that thing? You start to realize that the thing that you want is hollow as well. There's no exactly. meaning behind it. Exactly. What are you going to do once you have it? Exactly. And that's the point. <laughs> and the thing is that because of that, you never know, don't get there, right? So the why becomes, because why is where the intention comes, right? So that's why it's very important. And you know, when people take somebody else's belief, like, you know how they say, uh, keeping up with the Joneses or do what everybody else does, 
the problem with that strategy is that if it's not your own dream, then you're going to always be never satisfied. Yes. Yes. You're always searching. You know, it's like I, I, I used to get really into this of like, you know, America says, buy this new fancy car, get this fancy watch, get this big fancy house and you're going to be happy. That's happiness. And then the hardworking American gets all the fancy things that are going to make them happy. And guess what? They're not happy. And, 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 and that, I believe, is a huge trajectory into awakening is, all right, I, I'm, I'm here. I've got all the things that society tells me that I should have, but why aren't I satisfied or fulfilled? You know, and, and at that point of actually questioning what is happiness and who am I and what makes me happy and realizing that it's nothing contained within this physical material world, that's when you progress forward. That's when you learn about the metaphysical and understand yourself as a, as a light being, as a consciousness. You know? So basically you just uh, did exactly my two pages of chapter four with Mobius strip. You just said everything that I say. See, you wow. and I speak the same language, even though we both are from a very different yeah. planet uh, in so many ways, <laughs> right? You can tell. So yeah. there's a reason that we're coming from all these different um, perspectives, coming to the exact same conclusion. I know. I, I feel like, you know, when we when when I meet someone else that does speak that same language or is explaining the same things in different ways with different language or backgrounds, we're just channeling universal truth. It, it just is what it is. Like quantum physics is is the math of the universe. Like that's really what it is. Okay, I have so many questions. First sure. of all, I'm gonna give you my theory or understanding of dark matter. This is a very new concept that I'm just playing with. But this is kind of what I think dark matter slash dark energy is. Okay. I believe that dark matter, dark energy uh, are actually just all of the other dimensions in this universe. And, and because we're coming from a third dimensional place with third dimensional technology, we're unable to actually observe uh, the higher dimensional realms and states. So uh, what I've channeled is that there's 12 dimensions in this universe. There might be a 13th emerging. I don't know. We'll see. Um, but if we're in the third dimension, that's, I don't know, I don't do math. That's like whatever percentage of, of the entirety of the universe, of the observable universe, right? In, in, right, in, in our way. And then the rest of that is the dark energy, dark matter. And I believe that uh, dimension 10, 11, 12 is, is purely non-physical and the rest of them are physical. And I believe that maybe the rest of the physical dimensions that we can't observe are the dark matter. And then the non-physical dimensions that, that uh, you know, obviously we can't observe either 10, 11, 12 are the dark energy. And, and that's kind of the, the division. That's just a concept that I'm toying with because I've really been curious about uh, dark matter, dark energy, because personally, I'm very curious about things that haven't been discovered or figured out yet, just very similar to you. So do you think that maybe I'm onto something there? Um, do you have any theories about dark matter, dark energy? Yeah. So, so usually like the only thing that I'm never sure hundred percent about is how many dimensions, because dimension can be infinite just the way parallel universe works as well. I completely agree with you that the physical dimension where we actually see everything, which is 5% matter because everything's in material form, right? It's in a dense electron form, which is why you can see the table or see ourselves, right? Everything else is like, is, is basically a possibility, a probability. It exists in the waveform, right? And the thing is that I always see that we are, you know, like just like earth is a layered uh, 
uh, being, right? We are also layered being. Now, the thing is that like, it's all about the frequency and vibration, which is not easy to gauge, right? Because you can be vibrating at a very different frequency than somebody else. The only way you gauge is that that person will never come in contact with you if they're not vibrating with the similar resonant frequency, you see? So that's the only gauge you have, but there's no way for you to know exactly, right? And mm -hmm. sometimes we do come in contact with people and then we bring our frequency down just so that we can stay with them, yes. right? So yep. it's kind of an interesting thing. So I believe that the entire dark matter and dark energy is definitely the world where we basically don't navigate because we haven't accepted all the facts about the parallel universe and multi-dimensions. And the very fact that, you know, we don't see everything. You see, that's the only problem because our electromagnetic field spectrum is so limited. So what we see is what we truly think that exists, which is the biggest problem in the whole equation because we truly, like, um, we truly see very, very, like, I think out of the percentage, the reality that we see is also less than 5%, by the way, what we truly see. Because yes. if you think about it, I mean, God knows if we are in a simulation world, I mean, we are truly being playing a hunger game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree. And I think the worst thing we could ever teach our youth is you got to see it to believe it. I grew up with that phrase of, well, you, I'll see it, you know, I'll believe it when I see it sort of thing. It's like that is indoctrinating us to believe in only what we see. And I mean, like you mentioned, we're only seeing a very small fraction of, of what the, the possibilities are. Oh my goodness. Okay. I have one more question. And then I want to talk more about your book and release dates and like, oh, I, I have so many questions for you. Uh, okay. Um, so you said that you're, you're planning on, on landing this rocket on the south side of the moon. I have a curiosity about the dark side of the moon. Is there any sort of scientific, you know, talk going on in SpaceX or, or NASA about, oh, we just don't venture over there? Is the south side of the moon the dark side of the moon? Like, do you have any sort of weird speculations or theories or, you know, scientific talks about that? It's interesting, right? Because from a, like a the narrative that we have, right, just like narrative, right, that we live in, NASA, SpaceX, everybody has to be politically and correct in their own ways. So from a correct, because that's all I get from them is what I'm saying, right? Yes. I have my yep. own intuition, I yep. have my own understanding and I'll explain that as well. So basically dark side of the moon, they actually have picked it up because they believe that that's where they're gonna find the um, special elements that's gonna help them to create a fuel, uh, like fuel and water and the basic things that is needed for us to go to Mars mm. and and moon colonization is the step number one. And they believe that there's enough, even with the moon dust itself, there's enough, you know, um, what's the word? Like there's enough innovation there that it would truly help them to conquer. So they are not really looking at the dark side of the moon like we would say from our understanding, right? Just like as in general, right? They're not even looking at it now. They have exact latitude and longitude where we're going to land and all that. So to me, okay, so now I'll tell you my personal thing, right? This is not NASA. This is me speaking. I personally think that the fact that we haven't been there for all these years, 50 plus, is because when we did go there, when whenever we went there, whether some people don't even believe the moon landing was real, and I can tell you that if it wasn't real, the point was maybe it wasn't real at the time it happened because we have a technology where they could have easily imitated 
uh, a CGI technology where everything was just completely, there's technologies there because the technology is always hidden from us because it's always top secret classified. It's very hard for normal people to know about technologies because that's the only way you can fool the masses, right? I mean, how else are you going to do that? But my point is they did go to the moon at one point and what they found was something that they were not willing to share because it is connected to every single thing that we haven't been shared. So when you open a one can of warm, you have to open too many can of warm. So what are you going to do? You're going to keep lying. Yes. So okay. okay. I, I have a couple of things that I want to comment about. So I was speaking at a conference, I think it was in 2019 um, in New Mexico. And one of the other featured speakers, and we were on a panel together, was one of the original astronauts from the moon landing. And here's what he said. Um, he said that there was a, a landing on the moon, um, but there was also contact with extraterrestrial forces. So they couldn't show that footage. So what they did was they they literally did create footage in a studio and they meshed the footages together um, to create what, what was basically shown to the public. So both are true, which I love because quantum physics, right? It's, exactly. Both are that always is true. true. Schrodinger cat, right? Yeah, Schrodinger's cat. <laughs> It's like all the possibilities. Exactly. So now I want to ask you a question. What is your take on extraterrestrial life or aliens? So I do believe that we have different forms exist. We actually have our future self that is working with us right now, which kind of makes it a little confusing because they come from thousands and thousands of years. And I actually have somebody that I'm in contact with who communicates with them, by the way. So if you want to know more, I can go into that as well. But the point is extraterrestrial to me, to me, alien. I mean, I'm technically alien, right? According to American standard. <laughs> so because I have an alien card, green card, right? <laughs> alien card. So the whole thing about extraterrestrial, I actually would say star beings, because you know, to me, we all yeah. have been everywhere, right? We are you and I, uh, we we come from far away planet. Our mission was to help humanity, but in order to do that right, we had to truly understand it. And so people are hodgepodge. We actually are all from all these different places. So technically Star Wars is happening in the human form. And I do believe that man in black is real, by the way, because, you know, like some people, they look certain way. And, you know, one of the things that I'm extremely intrigued about is aura goggles, right? Like to me, it would be nice if you can look if people even have aura because not everybody has aura, hmm. right? Wow. So I do believe that they live among us. I do believe that just like you were saying about the whole dark matter and dark energy, the thing is that certain species, they don't really live in the five person matter because they are not even able to retain. They are not dense enough to, yeah. to be showing up in our world like that. The only way you're going to see them or experience them is through your six senses, through your intuition, through the way you do, you know, just being in touch with them. So that's the reason. And plus, you know, if you really understand this whole thing that we are here is all about frequency and vibration, right? So if you're somebody who doesn't believe in it, you're never going to see them. Yeah. You yeah, see? So that's, yeah. the, that's the thing that people, sometimes people don't like that. But the fact is that you are going to attract, the law of attraction is at work. So you're not going to ever get into something which you don't even believe in it. Because it's just like if you die and if you're a Christian, you're going to see Jesus. If I die and if I'm Muslim, I'll see Muhammad. Yeah. Because that was my belief, right? So we see what we need to see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I love that. And even like 
you know, there is a difference between remote viewing and astral traveling and remote viewing is exploring this, this material world in, in an astral body, but you're here, you're on this planet, you're ex- experiencing this room, but in an, in a non-physical form and astral traveling is experiencing this reality, but also off planet and other realities and other dimensions in your astral body. So it's more so ex- experiencing the non-physical world. And that's why I believe that um, lucid dreaming, for example, is simply astral traveling because dreams are just a different dimension. Um, and so what I've noticed is when I uh, remote view a room, I will see all of the material physical objects in that room. But when I decide to look beyond the physical reality and I astral travel that same room, I'll see beings, I'll see spirits, I'll see elementals, I'll see 4D beings, 5D beings, 8D beings that are all just hanging out there, especially at alien conferences. They love to sit in on that stuff. I'm like, there's a mantis, there's an Anunnaki, you know, and they're just kind of That's all hanging so cool. out. Yeah. It would be fun if somebody can video record what you see. Wouldn't that oh be my fun? goodness. I always say I would love <laughs> to project my third eye. Like I really just so amazing. Wish- I, and, and, you know, they, they, I have been tracking some of the technology with like, um, dream technology, I believe would be the exact same thing. Like if I'm able to read your past life or your Akashic records and I'm flipping through all of your past lives, I believe that they're eventually in our lifetime is going to be a machine that they can hook me up to. And, and we can see all of that. If we can see dreams when we're sleeping, then we can definitely see the, the third eye experiences as well. I don't think that there's much of a difference there. That is true. Actually, you know, they did a movie called Discovery, by the way, if you want to check it out. In that movie, they showed that there's a recording going on when people were dying and they were able to record that information through the brain because they had the right equipment. Discovery is the movie, by the way. It's a very cool movie because it talks about the video recording of the people right when they're about to leave and what they experience. And they were able to capture that in the camera. So that to me says that we are getting into that realm because it's just a matter of first you have to believe in all these things see the biggest problem we have with the scientific community which is where I'm so different is that Mm -hmm. I have always opened kept my mind open because to me I believe this is what I believe by the way is that the magic is what science hasn't discovered yet that's all it is yes I agree I agree like everything that I believe everything I've experienced I, I truly believe that in our lifetime, science is going to catch up to that. Um, but that's why I feel so passionate about pushing the quantum physics realm beyond what they have studied, because they, you know, scientists, as you know, have a very limited framework of this is what I was taught. This is what I believe. And this is the realm that I'm going to stay within. And anything outside of what I've been taught uh, is not true because this is all I've been taught. And it's very unusual to meet such an educated scientist who um, is so open to beyond just what you've been taught um, and having that kind of metaphysical world um, and curiosity as well. Right, because if I wouldn't have had that open mind, Elizabeth, I would have not been able to do as many things as I do because my my uh, my cup is pretty full if you think about it, right? Having to be raising boys and having to be working full time and having to be doing, but it's because I tap into the zero point energy all the time like Tesla. For me, that's why I'm writing Quantum Being because my whole thing is that why not you, and I love, by the way, you know, I've, I've heard some of your uh, videos where you talk about reality hopping and timeline hopping. And of course, I, I would love to talk to you about the whole time travel because time travel truly doesn't exist. It's a timeline hopping. 
Mm, yes. Because that's why the whole past, present, future, because the only time that we truly perceive is present tense, right? There isn't any past, there isn't any future. Time itself is an illusion because if you think about it, it was invented, right? In a way, this whole clock thing that we're taking with, because the only thing was cycle, rhythm. That's the real thing. But time is truly not. And we have been enslaved by this whole time bullshit. <laughs> I agree. I completely right? agree. Um, so I do want to get to your book, but I also kind of want to talk to you about zero point frequency. Can you sure. explain that in your own words? Because I explain it all the time. And, and, and I truly believe that zero point frequency, neutrality, that's it. Like that is the doorway to everything else other than this. So everything. can you explain it? And then can you also explain what what is your process to get to that point? Right. So. Okay, I'll tell you this. So zero-point energy, basically, the reason it says zero-point energy is because it's kind of in a stillness. It's a stillness that is it's just there. It's funny because our name is human being, which means we are technically a zero-point energy ourselves, right? Because it's just there. It's like there's no, it's not like you have to work for it. There's no work required because it is just there. And that's how I see it. And the thing is that energy exists all around us. The reason we can't see it is because of course we can't see energy, right? And also the reason we can't see it is because we don't truly believe that there's, can you believe they used to use the word vacuum for the longest time, which is a wrong word? Yep. Because it was not vacuum, right? Because vacuum implies that there's nothing there, but that is where the zero point energy is, which is why Tesla really wanted to harness that energy, right? He wanted to give everybody an electricity for free, and if he would have done that 100 years ago, imagine we would be right now in a Star Trek world 100%. We yes. wouldn't be where we are still paying utility bills. We're still enslaved. We still barely, some people have solar panel. I mean, we are very primitive because we were never able to go forward. So zero point energy, if anybody wants to understand, it's basically the stillness, which is what you can acquire by being in a bliss state, by being yeah. in the flow. You know, when athlete or somebody who breaks the Guinness Book of World Record, the reason they do that, they're harnessing the zero-point energy. That's why they're able to do something that nobody has done before. Yep. Um, that actually brings up something to, that just popped into my mind. I love your perspective of it's it's always there. It's and And I guess I've never really put those words to it. And of course it is. And then it kind of just prompts me to think about the struggle that we have is the distraction in our life. And what, what popped into my mind is we choose that distraction. That's a choice. By constantly making choices, we're constantly filling, uh, you know, that zero got, point energy. Yeah. Right. We're, we're, and it's, it's this constant movement, cause and effect, vibrational ripples, action, reaction, all of that. Self-fulfilling prophecy. That's what we're doing, right? Self-fulfilling prophecy. Yes, exactly. And that's when, when we just stop, when we just, that's why meditation brings us into that zero point state is because we're now choosing to do nothing at all. Right. And, and, and that's the kicker. And, and that's the, the hardest part about, uh, about getting into that state, I believe is the choosing to do nothing, the choosing to enter into that state of, of not distracting. Yeah. Do you have any suggestions on how people can access this flow state or the, the zero point energy? It's by being aware that they are the, you know, like basically we are the one providing the resistance. And mm -hmm. so we are the one we are getting in our own way. 
So how can we get out of our own way so we can be in the flow, right? It's almost like if you go for a pap smear and then you're going to be really contracting your muscles, what's going to happen? It's going to hurt. Yeah. Right? So it's the same way with life. And like what you said, I really like to elaborate that when you said that people keep on messing up their lives, right? Which is true. Like I've had so many people because I do health coaching, people would come to me and they would say, they're so overwhelmed and then they're going to go get a dog. <laughs> you see my point? And then I'm like, okay, so you said you didn't have time and now you're going to have a puppy in your house. And then they, and when, when you ask that question, right? That's when they say, you're right. I never thought that way. But that's the problem. It's like people... Keep putting more, like if you already have a one child and you can't raise them, are you going to have more than one child? You should not. Right. Yeah. I mean, it is a hard life already enough, right? But the, that is where the interesting thing is that if people can truly just start looking at their lives and notice that how much clutter they have collected in the process yes. and how it's time to clean up, man, because we all have patterns that makes us do things that we don't truly uh, would like to do. Like, for example, you know, I have a pattern that every time when I see beautiful fruits and vegetables, I want to bring them home. But if I don't take care of them, they're going to die. Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that it's not about, and I've said this a lot before, it's not about all of a sudden becoming a Zen monk and meditating for six hours a day and doing nothing to always be in that state. The the modern way that we can think about it and access it is yeah, life is crazy. Yeah, life never ends. Yeah, there's always going to be a bill to pay, which means there's always going to be obligation in your life. And it's not about letting go of all of the obligation that we have, because that's not technically really even living the life that we were born into. Um, I, I believe that it's 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 really, truly about accessing that state in between all of the moments and even in the moments. Like, I love driving. I love driving so much because I'm able to meditate. You know, I'm able to slow down. Yeah, I'm 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 operating a vehicle, um, but there's this 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 access that I have in that moment. Just like when I do Tai Chi or when I take walks in the forest or when I do yoga or sit down to journal, I, I get into that state. I mean. I personally have to get into that state to channel any information that I need to channel. I can't have my ego talking to me. I can't have my stomach growling. I can't. And, and you know what? My ego does talk to me and my stomach does growl and I do get hot or I do get cold. And I have the sensations of life. I have the obligations of my reality, but I choose not to focus on them. And that's it. That's as That's easy it. as it is, because whatever you focus on is what you're creating. So if I choose to quiet all of the noise going on around me and I choose simply to focus on connecting to universal truth or some sort of quantum download or information for humanity, that is exactly what I will receive. So my superpower isn't in being a psychic. My superpower is being being able to tune out the distraction and exactly. tune into simply what I want in any given moment. And and that's why I find my life and probably your life too, it moves so rapid pace. Manifestation is so rapid because we are so clear about our direction of what we're focused on, you know? Exactly. exactly. And I 100% agree with everything you said. And you're a human radio, okay? So you decide which channel to dial in and you can do a noise correction, error correction, all of that because it's all part of your built-in feature, right? Yep. And it's kind of an interesting that, like, you know, when you said this whole thing, like the reason, like uh, you understand the whole time, um, time bending, like, for example, you have five minutes, right? 
and you have five minutes, that five minutes can be very precious and you can do so much in that five minutes if you want to. And you know, that is the way I'm able to manage all these different roles I play, right? Is because I never look at the time and I create the time expansion as based on what I want to get done. Yes. So that five minutes, I can do a lot of things if I want to. And I, I'm, and it's funny how you're internally like, because I have to speak in the meeting, let's say, right? And I'm going to go and do my sun activation in the backyard. And right away when I'm supposed to show up so that I can speak, my body walks into my computer and then I start doing my meeting and I'm speaking, right? So because, you know, I have that self-discipline and I think we can all have that. Mm-hmm. And I completely agree with you that this whole thing about monk, you know, it's funny, I have to say that I always thought that, you know, being a monk is the best thing I can do because when I was young, I wanted to be the best human being. And I was told by my mom that it's harder to be just a normal human being and live life, get married, have children, because that is actually harder than just being a monk. So if you can do that, that's and then still be a good person, then that's what God is going to reward you for. So that stuck to me, right? That you are not supposed to not live. You're supposed to live, but still be able to be in that Zen state at, at uh, what's the word, on demand. Yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I love that. I, I've I've had the thought for pretty much my whole life since childhood as well. of like, I want to be the best human. And it's not about being the best human and abiding by the rules. Like that's not what I don't, you and I don't mean that. It's about, it's so funny because I don't, I've never heard of anyone else say that or think that before. I'm like, I want to be the best human in the way that (laughs) I want to experience everything that this reality and this body have to offer. I want to do all the things. I want to do everything once. I want to experience it all and some things I won't like. And that's okay because that's part of the experience. So it's really cool that you have come from that mindset as well. And you've you've accomplished so much. And you know, every once in a while, I'll, you know, a lot of like people around me, like say, I don't know, normal people living their nine to fives are like, wow, like you're really doing a lot. Like, do you ever slow down? And I'm like, I would get so anxious if I slowed down, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm literally living every day to the fullest. And if I were to take an exit point tomorrow, I'd be so happy because I lived the best possible life in every moment, every year, every day. I took the time to slow down and appreciate. I took the time to take action and move forward. And, and it's funny that, you know, you're, you're working with and partners with SpaceX because I think about Elon Musk and I'm like, wow, this guy is changing the planet and how does he do it? Like, this is my question of like, how does he run these huge companies? It just reminds me that one person can make a difference and we can do it all. Like the only limitation that we have on ourselves is uh, we put on ourselves, you know? Exactly, the belief is the belief, right? We cannot do it because your sky tap truly, and that's where the zero point energy comes in. So by the way, anybody and everybody if they truly realize that the, if they can just let go of the limitation, then they're going to keep unfolding it because it's a very beautiful uh, process, right? Because once you do it, you know, you're also reprogramming your subconscious to do it. Just like when you're driving the car, your subconscious is pretty much doing the driving, right? And you have mastered the art of driving and managing that aspect. And then that's when you do all the, you know, have you seen the Doctor Strange movie, by the way? Yes. Oh my I God. I love it. Okay. So isn't it amazing when he's sleeping and he had to read the book, he was reading the book at the same time. So that's exactly how I see. That's where the dark matter, by the way, comes in, because that is the dark matter part of you that's doing all the work while your matter part is sleeping. 
Oh, so cool. So tell me about your book. Is this your first book? And when is the release date? Yeah, it is my first book. And as I said, my my biggest problem with the book is that I can keep writing the book forever. Yeah. Right? It's hard, right? So I have yeah. to pretty much like just control myself. Because, <laughs> <laughs> because my goal is that the book is just a little bit of a window into what I want to offer, right? And my goal is that I'm going to use the book to, to help people understand the concepts in the book, teach workshops, be part of the retreats. And, um, and that is why I'm reaching out to people that I see that I like them a lot, that what they're doing is how I would like to be ultimately. So you are like, like you represent my future self in a way where you are already using your passion and you're turning it that into prosperity. And I am in the similar place. So I had to have a talk with you so that I can say I had a talk with my future self. <laughs> oh my God, that's amazing. And if I can take a little bit of your sciencey analytical <laughs> mind and, and apply it to my world, that would be incredible too. And here, you know, we're all just pieces of one another. And what's really fascinating is, you know, even you just mentioning little parts of your book, it sounds like it's very similarly structured to my first book, which is like, I wanted to give people a huge overview of so many concepts. Every chapter of the book should be its own freaking book. And I had to really narrow it down. And every chapter was, here's my experience with this knowledge and then here's the knowledge, like here's the human and here's the information. Is that how you structured your book? So my book is a structured. So I have 12 chapters. The first four chapter I kind of talk about is more like that. That's where I recognize uh, the soul part of me. That's where I went through all the hardships and all the challenges of marriages and child rearing and all that. So I cover first four because majority of the people don't know me. So first four kind of just gets them a little bit understanding of who I am. Like, you know, and then they can relate to some aspect of what I struggle, hopefully with themselves, right? So I create an anchor with the first four. Then on the chapter five, six, seven, and eight, I kind of talk about more like soul activation. So that's where I kind of get into the point, like being human, the fractal existence, the holographic world that we live in, and all that, you know, like just go into more of the fact, the concepts that yes. truly is there based on the seven universal laws and based on quantum physics. So that yeah. way they know that this is the foundation you live in, whether you believe in it or not, it's completely up to you, but they're already being at work. Just like Newton's third law of motion is at work. If you don't believe in cause and effect, that's not going to change anything, right? It's yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, it's so still just, exactly. So I just bring out all the things that I know that it's already happening. Take it or leave it. It's up to you, but it doesn't change the fact itself. And then on the last four chapter, I kind of focus on the manifestation aspect of it, which is where I kind of go into quantum manifestation. And then this is that's where I start explaining people that why, like, you know, because we are soul and a spirit, we are mind and we are consciousness. So I go, my chapter 11, by the way. So when you do, if you do get my book, I want, after you read chapter 11, you need to let me know because every single friend of mine who read the chapter 11, they were saying that you're, writing like a rocket scientist and then nobody's going to like the book because of that chapter 11. But I'm working with my team because, you know, at the end of the day, I'm not going to change who I am. Totally. I mean, yeah. right. So, I, I mean, I, everybody's not going to necessarily, but I'm hoping that I'm doing because my goal is to get as many people as possible because why not, right? So, yeah. So basically I kind of, in the last chapters and, uh, you know, I talk about the magic and science and all that good stuff. And I basically give people enough tool in every single chapter in the end, like a little exercise so that they know how to take the message and make it their own and what is the nugget in every single chapter so 
as as I told you that just like you, I need to buy your book, by the way. So I'm going to do that right after because I would love to read your book as well. But now you know that I have not read your book and there may be similarity because you and I just, I don't know, we just speak the same language. Yeah. And I, and I have a funny feeling I'm going to especially love chapter 11. <laughs> I have I a funny you, feeling. <laughs> you're going to love it because it's just all about the whole soul thing. And yep. it's so fun for me because it's a, it's, that's where we truly understand that why are we here and what are we, by the way? Yep, absolutely. And, um, and, and it's funny because at the end of my book, I just went for it as well. I, like, it feels like you just went for it, you know? And, and for me too, I was like, you know what? Um, everything else was kind of like an intro. And now I'm just going to go for it because this is what I believe. And anyone reading the book who doesn't know who I am and doesn't have any background in any of this stuff is probably going to read it saying, this chick is batshit, but I went for it and I own it. And it resonated with so many people and and I I really feel like the reception on your book is going to be so many people coming to you saying everything I've ever questioned, everything I've ever thought of, you actually put into a book. You actually spoke it out loud because that's the reception that I get. And you and I are so similar in that way. I really feel like that's the reception that you're going to get with this book. Are you offering anything right now? Like you are a freaking busy person. Um and, you know, like, like, are you offering anything else? Do you have any time in your schedule to be offering anything to people? And what is it? What, what can people come to you for? So right now, so one of the things is I'm doing a quantum human workshop, by the way, it's a six weeks workshop. And actually I can even send you the link just to, so you know what the contents are. It's a little cool. different, but it's part of my book that I'm giving a little condensed version to everyone. My email is emerge at shanassoni.com. So it's pretty simple in that sense. And uh, so right now, basically, I'm uh, hoping that people will buy my book. That would be a great gift for them, especially if they like what we just talked about, then they're going to like the book because that's along the same line. And it just goes into deeper, you know, explanation for everything. And um, yeah, so I think my only thing is that I'm looking for people who would like my um, way of teaching for retreats. I mean, wouldn't it be fun, Elizabeth, to go to some really amazingly beautiful island and teach these concepts under the sun and the music and so forth, because that's what I want to do. That's my imagination is that I don't want to teach all electronically. I want to be in real with human beings yes. because we're crystal, right? So when we come in contact, we just start healing each other without even saying anything. Absolutely. Yeah. One of my, one of, one of the things that lights me up the most is retreats and public speaking, just because I actually get to talk to people and see their faces and give them hugs. And, and, uh, and I think you and I should, uh, plant a seed to plan a retreat. I've got all the retreat venues oh, wow. and uh, you and I could totally do a really epic quantum human retreat and combine our, our brilliance together. I think that would be incredible. So seed is planted for sure. I'm so honored. I would love it, Elizabeth, because I, I cannot tell you in words, the very first time I heard you, I completely stumbled by accident, by the way, on a YouTube. And I'm like, and I knew like you're a young girl and you're speaking completely like I would speak and I just fell in love with you so much and the funny thing is in in between these years people have suggested me other people but nobody like you're the only one that I like to hear so I'm like you know what I'm just going to hear her because she's the one who works with my understanding right because we all have our own people that we resonate with and you are so the fact that I even like when I attended your workshop and you know it came in my head 
says, why not just send you an email? Because I thought you may not even respond because if somebody else sees the email, they may not. And when you responded to me, I was like thanking the universe so hard because I was so grateful that you actually responded because that was a gift for me. I think, I think you are so on your way to this beautiful new journey. Like you are so clearly at like a crux in, in your path right now. And this book feels so healing and cathartic. Like it's like you were able to tell your story and almost put it to rest and be seen and heard in that way. And now you're ready to soar. Like you are so ready to take off. And I am so excited to meet you at this part in your journey and to see how things unfold for you. And I'm sure we will stay in contact and I definitely want to be best friends with you. So that's for sure happening. Oh my God. (laughs) I just cannot believe this. Yeah. Because I think that I would love to come and meet you in person as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, I will put your links and your email and your website or whatever you've got to offer. I will definitely put it in the description of this video. And I want to say thank you so much for uh, taking the time and sitting down and sharing your, your absolute brilliance with us. I am amazed for having the share light with you because you are an amazing soul and it's just so much fun having to have this type of conversation. So honor is mine. Thank you.